Welcome to our sermon this week. We'll be looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in their long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had all she had to live on. Let us pray. Almighty God, help us to surrender to your will, to your spirit in our lives. Help us to love you more than anything else this life has to offer. Lord, help us, like the widow, to give all that we have. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. There are three groups of people in these stories. All three groups attract Jesus' attention. His reaction to each is starkly different. Which group will we be? First, there are the takers, the scribes. It's all about them. They want the recognition. They want the power. They want the wealth and the prestige. And at all costs, it doesn't matter who they have to offend to get it, as long as they protect their position. Uh, they walked around the marketplaces specifically to draw attention to themselves. It was customary in that time for people to, uh, that people were supposed to greet those that were in an upper class or a higher social position. And so the, the scribes would walk around the marketplaces around the quote unquote lower class folks just to force them into greeting them because the, the scribes wanted the attention. They even used their power to seize the homes of widows who happened to be in debt. They would rather these widows, whom the Bible tells us to care for, they would rather them be homeless so that they could have more power and more wealth. Well, it's easy to criticize that bunch, isn't it? I mean, anybody who would displace widows, it's easy to criticize them, but it's also easy to be one of them without realizing it. I know I've been there lots of times throughout my whole life. Uh, I remember in seventh grade, really the first time we had the opportunity to request elective classes. We were moving to a new campus and I had been a good student. I was an A student and it came time to requ request classes. I assumed because of my uh, incredible academic record that I could ask for whatever I wanted and I would get it. So uh, even though they told us that incoming seventh graders shouldn't expect certain jobs, I requested to be an office assistant. Only a few of those to be handed out. They were the prize, so to speak. And uh, I requested that and assumed that I would get it. I deserved it. I had studied hard. When I got my schedule, I realized that I had been placed instead. I, I didn't get office assistant. Instead, I had been placed in vocational agriculture, something I never asked for. And more than that, I had been put into a class with students with 
a lower academic history. So I was in a class I didn't ask for with what I considered to be lower academic students, people that uh, I shouldn't be in class with. In fact, I'm ashamed to say I actually went to the principal and asked to be transferred to another class because I didn't belong with those students. I'm embarrassed by that now. Fortunately, this, the principal had the wisdom to, to refuse my request. And I had the opportunity that year to be in class with people that, quite frankly, I thought I was better than. It made me confront my arrogance in ways that I was uncomfortable with at that point. See, I was more like those scribes than I really wanted to admit. And I began to see that a little bit over the course of that seventh grade year. But those lessons you have to learn over and over again. It, take, it took me a while. I'm still learning it. Remember when I came to college here in, in Tuscaloosa, uh, I volunteered with Youth for Christ Campus Life. And I came in as a freshman uh, volunteer staff member, and I, I was ready to make an impact. And I was I'm sure that I deserved it. Um, in reality, just speaking honestly, I probably did know more about the Bible as an incoming freshman than a lot of our other volunteer staff members. And I had uh, a lot of volunteer experience with my local church and my local youth group. So I was certain that I was ready to lead at Campus Life. I was ready to have one of the upfront positions. I was qualified, I was certain, to be leading the devotions, to be in charge of the meetings. And I, I deserved it. Uh, well, our executive director, my, my boss at the time, Mark, uh, Mark made me the chair of the image committee. Now that sounded pretty good. Said, I mean, right off the bat, I'm the chair of a committee. Uh, so I said, yeah, I'll do it. What does the image committee do? Well, I discovered that the image committee's responsibility was to make sure that our facilities, our teen center were presentable before and after meetings and that everyone was greeted as they came and as they left. So, uh, with all of my biblical knowledge and all of my experience in the church, my job was to make sure the building was clean and people were greeted. Well, I had a committee, but guess what? Uh, not a whole lot of committee members want to show up to vacuum floors. So I spent uh, a lot of my first year with Youth for Christ showing up every week, vacuuming floors before and after meetings, and shaking hands of teenagers that showed up. Boy, that was another opportunity to confront my arrogance. Wasn't what I thought I deserved. I thought I was better than that. So it's easier to be like the scribes than we want to admit. When we identify certain people as lower class, we might be acting like a scribe. When we show off our good deeds with the intent of receiving praise, we might be acting like scribes. When we cast our votes to improve our portfolios without considering how that vote affects those who can't afford rent or groceries, we might be acting like scribes. It's easy to be a scribe, and it should be obvious from the text that they received the harshest reaction from Jesus. They will receive the greater condemnation, Jesus says. So I'm still working. I'm still trying to be less arrogant, less of the scribe, 
and more of one of these other two types of people. The second group in the story are those who made large donations to the temple treasury. See, the the treasury, they didn't pass a plate around during the worship service as we might do. Instead, uh, out uh, they had large metal containers with trumpet-like uh, openings where people would come and they would pour their, their offering into that container uh, and make a horrible racket all throughout the temple. So people would come in and they would make a big show of bringing in their all their coins and the more coins the better even if they were smaller and they would pour those into this metal container and the racket would reverberate all around the temple announcing to everyone their generosity they're making a grand show out of how much they give jesus is unimpressed now to be sure he doesn't condemn this group he doesn't say anything negative about people that are giving generously to the temple. They are giving. They are making a difference. Their generosity will will do a whole lot of good. In fact, they're almost certain to do more good with their generosity than the widow who we'll get to in a moment who only gives two coins. But Jesus sits there watching, non-responsive. He's not impressed. Perhaps appreciative, but he just doesn't say anything. It's really easy to be this crowd, too. They gave the extra. After they'd paid their bills, after they'd done their grocery shopping, after they'd set aside some for entertainment, some for saving, some for retirement, after all of their other obligations were met, then they would give some of the extra to the temple. Uh, And it helped. It made a difference. But they were just giving out of their surplus. They were involved in ministry, just not committed. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference in being involved and being committed? Well, a typical breakfast plate serves as an excellent example of the difference between involvement and commitment. Imagine you're sitting there looking at your plate of bacon and eggs. The chicken was involved in your breakfast. The pig was committed. Those wealthy donors were involved, and God blessed them for it. The widow, on the other hand, was committed. She gave her penny, all she had. The final phrase of our text, the final phrase in verse 44 in the Greek is holan ton bit ton bayan avtes. That phrase literally translates all of her life. Bios is the word for bayan. Bios is the root word for our word biology. It means life. Jesus says of her, she gave all her life. And there were reasons not to give. She needed the money. Uh, as a widow, she who knows how she got what little money that she got. Uh, she needed to buy groceries. She needed to care for herself. She needed the money for herself. And the temple was corrupt. Uh, We know that. Jesus has just been criticizing the temple leadership. And so she is taking money that she needs and giving it to a corrupt institution. And yet she gave anyway. Trusting her gift to God. Trusting her life to God. Wow. 
What an inspiration. I have met people like her. In fact, I had a widow in one of my churches who was very much like this widow in this story. Her name was Frances. I happen to know that Frances' monthly income, her monthly income, was $400. Now, while I was at that church, we started an angel food ministry, and I know that you did that for a while here at Forest Lake as well. And with angel food ministry, initially we were able to to get a box of food that would feed a a person for uh, about a month even for $25. And uh, we started that ministry while I was at that church, and and uh, Frances came through one time. She came to help us give out that food. She always showed up to serve. We asked her if she was buying a box, and she said no, she couldn't afford it. Now, she's making $400 a month. She can't afford $25 for this box of food that would uh, that would feed her for most of the month. Uh, I also know, though, that Frances gave $40 to the church, 10%. She got 400, she gave 40. And she gave that 40 to the church even when she couldn't afford the $25 to buy a box of food for herself. And I was floored. Uh, I couldn't believe her faithfulness. Uh, I was humbled. I, man, now, to be, once I discovered that, I will assure you that she got more than one box of food. Uh, we our church cared for her because her generosity didn't go unnoticed, just like the widow's generosity didn't go unnoticed with Jesus. Francis is one of my heroes. I want to grow up and be like her, to entrust my whole life, my whole life to God. Recently, I was reading in my devotional guide, and I came across a story about this very passage that I'd like to share with you. It's Uh, written by Simon Tugwell, and it goes like this. Our Lord is sitting by the temple, watching all the people coming and going, putting their offerings into the box. Some of them were making quite a show of it, no doubt, so that everyone would know how much they'd put in. But there among them all was a little old lady, rather shabbily dressed, who slipped in her two pence half penny when no one was looking. But the Lord saw her, And he got terribly excited about it. She put in more than all the rest put together, he he exclaims. This little old lady did not realize that she was doing anything spectacular. Nothing could have been further from her mind. She did not want to draw attention to herself because she knew that what she was giving was not worth very much. It was not going to repair the temple, uh, the temple roof, or... uh, or get them a new organ, or even pay for the scout's annual outing. The temple authorities might well think it was a confounded nuisance having to count all the small change put in by people like her. But she had given all she had, knowing that it was not much, knowing that she was not going to solve anyone's problems. And surely the Lord recognized in her a kindred spirit. She was doing the same kind of thing that he was doing. He was not solving the world's problems in any sense that the world could understand. He was not reforming society or abolishing poverty. The poor you will always have with you was his comment on that. He was not doing any of the things some modern Christians think he should have been doing. And many people considered him a nuisance. But he was giving himself. He was giving all he had. 
He was giving his very life. Blessed are the poor. How easily we take that always to mean somebody else. Yet if we want to be with God, we must learn to hear it as blessed are we who are poor. We who have got, we who have not got anything very impressive to give to anybody whose giving may very well be rather a nuisance, but who still have not given up giving. Who knows, our giving of ourselves and all our poverty may one day bring some joy to somebody else who is poor, who is not calculating, not trying to repair a church roof. God invites us into this conspiracy of the poor, making himself its head, giving himself in poverty and weakness, knowing that if we will only receive that humble gift of his, it will transform everything. If we are prepared to be poor enough to learn and to appreciate the manner of God's giving, we shall find in that poverty the seed of all perfection. It is easy to be the scribe, and it's easy in our culture to be the wealthy offering up some of our extra. It's hard to be the widow, to surrender all, but in our complete surrender is eternal life. Today, may we, like the widow, offer our very lives to Christ. Amen.